Beloved Church, beginning our service, I will ask you all to stand and let's affirm the promise that lies at the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us sing a psalm together. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this privilege to once again be on this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance on the foundation of the covenant of blood to reach a height that is higher than us and to break all evil and sin that binds us in the name of Jesus Christ. May in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil illnesses, poverty, premature death, fears, depression, phobias, all kinds of demonic dependencies, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And so stand in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented into your divine arms. We ask you to continue to lead it with your uplifted and mighty hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. You may be seated. I would like to greet all saints those that have the dignity of the highest origin in Christ Jesus, saints who are truly rich people on earth, and they already now have richness of faith. The knowledge and mysteries of God, the riches of His revelations, the riches of His trust, His comfort, His unchanging, unsearchable, and selective love. I would also like to greet you as dwellers who live in the wilderness and in its cities, as dwellers that live in inhabitants where there, where there is cedar, as dwellers that live on the highest heights, and as dwellers that dwell on the best coastlands of the earth. I know that for many, these places that I have named are very familiar. They are close to us. I have very many favorite sermons that we all hear from here. And all sermons for me are very valued. All of them I love. All have a high purpose and all contain the good news, but there are there are many that I especially love and I could listen to them numerously, meditate over them, think, meditate, live, fall asleep in meditations, wake up in meditations. This gives me more and more, opens to me the essence of God Himself. And I have fallen in love in this sermon or this revelation, this truth when 
pastor had spoken about the, those that dwell in these four places, in these four, in these four places. Something moved within me when he had just read the prophecy Isaiah and he had revealed it, he had unsealed, explained, showed all of it, showed how these, how wonderful these lands are, how beautiful they are, how attractive they are. He had showed how to get there, how to find ourselves there, what price is necessary to pay for this. And as we know, there is no price reduction for this land. There must be a high price that is paid. And I, of course, wanted to, to gain these places, these lands. I want to relocate there, live there. And I was ready to pay any price. That's why I just want to greet you with this reminder that many of you I know have already gained these places they are dwellers of those that live in these places and this sermon was the last sermon during our um, isolation at home and while we were not present this was the last present that's why it's still very fresh in your memories I think you remember it very well it's in your hearts And I would like to say that these are not ordinary places and lands for that very reason that Pastor has explained and has revealed when the prophet Isaiah, when he had turned to this wilderness or to these lands where cedar dwells or these heights or these coastlands, he had turned to man. He had looked at man and Pastor had highlighted so beautifully this person, the state, the characteristic of this person. You can see how perfect God is that God has these characteristics. I will just remind you very quickly. I will, before I read, I think you already remember I shouldn't say this as a greeting that if you remember the path began from the wilderness those that dwell in the wilderness in its cities is an image of those saints that have died by the cross of the Lord Jesus for their nation the house of their father and for all of their corrupt desire all the corrupt desires of their soul they voluntarily to conduct full sanctification, total sanctification, for total dedication, separating, sanctifying from all of that which is not holy to become this salt of holiness, this salt of the covenant. And in this wilderness, they began to build cities. Not just a city, but in the wilderness, they began to build cities. The walls of the cities had a great foundation and they were always protection from enemies. High walls with towers, with these circle towers where there were watchmen. All of this is an image of man himself who, having this good foundation, grows in faith. He comes to perfection. 
and he receives the ability to stand on this tower and be vigilant over the enemy. The ability to be vigilant he receives because of the fact that he be, he begins to hear God and God hears him. So thanks to those two, those two great witnesses, those two great witnesses that find themselves in his heart, the great word of God in the dignity of faith and truth of the reigning teaching of Christ in the image of Thumim and the Lord and Master, Holy Spirit, who as mercy comes upon this truth and begins to reveal in the image of Urim. And in the wilderness, our soul is freed from the authority of the old man. It is freed from the authority of reigning sin. And having been free, free from the old man, free from reigning sin, she dwells in the freedom of Christ, and it goes into the land where, where there is cedar. This is that one place, another place, and those inhabitants that dwell in the land where there is cedar, this is an image of those saints and those saints who dwell in the freedom and the liberty of Christ. Cedar, or Kedar, was the second son of Ishmael. This, these people loved freedom, and this is an image for us, because the freedom of Christ is the freedom of sin, which we receive in the death of the Lord Jesus through baptisms by separation, separation from sin, and this occurs in the wilderness. In the wilderness, in sanctification, we are separated from the old man and then dwell in the freedom of Christ. Dwell means we are not relaxed. Any truth is a discipline, even the liberty of Christ is a discipline, a discipline in which we are founded and in which we dwell. These saints, they are well known of their outward appearance. They know that they are wonderful before God. I'm talking about the outwardness of our in, in, inmost man, because our inmost man our new man is absolutely like Christ. He is the twin of Christ, and he is wonderful. Just like the beloved, she testifies of herself to the daughters of Zion, to Jerusalem. And she compares herself to the tents of cedar. She says she is beautiful as the tents of and the veils of Solomon. They were so great that even God was astonished by this beauty, this freedom, and this holiness. Apostle Paul also upholds these saints who dwell in the liberty of Christ. And he said, stand in the liberty which Christ has given you and do not go back into slavery to sin. And being found in this slavery, dwelling in this being found in this liberty, being found in this, having a heart that is cleansed and upon which is sealed the faith and the dignity of the reigning teaching, we begin to rise upon the rock, the high rock. 
You know, when pastor begins or he begins to start church service, he prays with this prayer and he prays so that God can lift us up to heights that are higher than us, so that God can reveal to us those promises, those heights that we have, that have not been open to us yet. And these inhabitants that live on the heights of the mountains are those saints who have received the promise at the door of their hope. These are those saints they have received a guarantee, guarantee of, to rapture. They have received a testimony that they have re, they have borne the bore the fruit of Methuselah. Methuselah is the one who banishes death. The birth of Methuselah in us it banishes death. This is that promise that we today have received, and you know people who are found saints that are found in this promise on these mountains they begin to exclaim to praise God to rejoice to proclaim and of course in practice we all know that these are not exclamation is not emotions because in the emotional sphere can we can feel full loneliness and full emptiness just like in the physical world, we can see all kinds of broken plans, illnesses, pains, illnesses that could continue and, and even grow, death that can look at us in our eyes. But independent of this, you realize that when we are in the heights, when we have already lifted up upon this promise and are found in it, then people on these promises, they are on the heights and they look at other things. They look at that invisible that God has revealed through the, His Word, through the preached Word. They look far ahead. They see those unseen promises and they begin to call the inexistent as existent, that which God has revealed, to specifically say who God is for them in Christ Jesus, what He has done for them in Christ Jesus, not paying attention to those sufferings, not paying attention to certain pains, illnesses that do not pass, that remain. Who God is for them to, in order to place themselves in Christ Jesus and to receive along with Christ this inheritance. So they begin to exclaim, not paying attention to all these promises. And then God looks at this exclamation that not our emotions might not be present. It is this format of exclamation that allowed the sons of Israel to enter into the promised land, to enter into their portion, and to take the portion, to take the inherited land. They entered into Jericho, we remember, and they took Jericho. They had destroyed the false righteousness that was founded on works. And they had fortified in themselves the righteousness that is not from works, but by faith, that had became their belonging. They began to be clothed in this righteousness, and this righteousness became these garments for them. And we know that reigning grace, it is reigned only through that righteousness that has become our belonging, our fruit. But in order to keep on and hold on to this, hold on to this fruit, in order to be on these heights, as is written in Revelation, hold on to what you have so that no one may take your crown, so that no one may take your fruit which you have 
received. We have received such a great promise and in order to keep and cultivate it. Not long ago, Pastor had said that the war strategy there is um, an unchanging division, a part of it, that it's very difficult to get up to a height, but it is even harder to remain on this height. And these are only few that can hold on to this height. And so to hold on to it, of course, we need one other place that we must gain to pay a price for, to take and to become this land. This is the coastland. Those inhabitants that dwell on the best coastlands of the earth in the prophecy of Isaiah, you know that the cities that are built on this earth or these coastlands are considered the most rich lands on this earth. They are special, and perhaps they have some kind of exotic nature there. People oftentimes go there for vacation, and we can't end up on all coastlands or islands, but we know that a coastland or an island, which we have gained, we know that islands are covered and surrounded by water. They are washed by water. The island that we have gained, the island that we have become, for which we have paid a price, it is surrounded by not an ordinary water. They are extraordinary waters, and these are the waters of our sanctification that constantly wash that fruit that we have grown, that we have gained for which we have paid the price of our whole life. It is continually washed, this fruit of sanctification, the fruit of our spirit, the fruit of righteousness. We know the fruit of the spirit, love, righteousness, peace, meekness, self-control, faith, goodness, mercy. So all of these, figuratively, there are nine sons, nine sons that we must we must give birth to and place as watchmen of our cities. They are going to protect our cities, the uh, gates of our city, which are our lips. And these nine sons can... Uh, anyone can give birth to, independent of the gender, social status, rich or poor, male or female, independent on the age. I'm talking about from physical age because a spiritual spiritual age we gain in this wilderness when we begin to fortify the walls when we begin to grow in perfection this age physically it doesn't matter because we see that Daniel having been very young Shidrach, Mesach and Abednego upon them was present the grace of God Joseph with whom God continually dwelled, Mary, who gained grace in the eyes of God. These are very young people, very young people, very young women, and they were able to gain this grace. It's very important for us to have this watchman because without this watchman, we can't trust. We can't trust in God. We can't proclaim without this watchman. We will not be able to proclaim and to keep and cultivate this fruit. That's why these four lands, these four places, they in fact are very, um, very wonderful, very, and as I have said, these characterize a single person, the characteristics of a single person. 
And these are those saints whom God has foreknown before the creation of the earth. Before the creation of the earth, he has already seen in them these distinguishing characteristics he had seen in them even before the creation of the world. That's why he had distinguished them especially. He looks at that people and with with astonishment he says, I look at him from the mountains and the hills. Here are the people that live separately in the wilderness or on the island and before and are not before the people. It is to these people God has promised to to return the Valley of Acor, along with all its belongings at the door of hope to return the lost vineyards, the ability of judgment, and to return the youth, which we hear about. If you remember in the prophecy of, uh, in one of the prophecies, God says, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness to my lips. So when God brings us into the wilderness, he leads us to his lips, his source. And he says, and I will come to her in the wilderness, I will give to her uh, her vineyards in the valley of Acor at the door of hope, and she will drink there as in the days of her youth and as in the day of her exit out of the land of Egypt. It is God will specifically meet His church from the wilderness. Why from the wilderness? Because she is going to, until the very end, she's going to be found in sanctification, continually, continually sanctifying herself. He says, who is she that comes from the wilderness that relies on her beloved? I can say a lot, and I just wanted to greet you with this reminder. I think that you remember it. And the thought that I had was taken from a different sermon. I will first read this place of Scripture, which I will stop to, which I will stop at. Psalms 118, verse 5. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. Psalms 118, verse 5. I could have said it by memory because we oftentimes sing it, we oftentimes speak of this verse, and we know it. You know, this was my short testimony. I am very nervous when I speak this, when I say these things to you because... Although I meditate on it continually, this is that treasure that I have, and I know that you have it as well. And I would like to remember another revelation that we have heard here, very deep in its context, contents and meaning. The place of scripture that I have read is very short, but it contains a very deep truth. This is a sermon of Brother Arkady on this place of scripture was spoken uh, quite some time ago. But we had a privilege to once again affirm and hear this sermon during our home isolation. That's why it is also going to be very familiar to you. Uh, however much we hear these truths, these these ideas and these thoughts and this truth is always always grows deeper and it is revealed more and more. You know, when Pastor had passed along this revelation, 
then I didn't understand this thought quite very well, although I know something was contained in it and listening to sermons not one time. I finally began to understand what was spoken, that this is not just the the distress that David had battled with, the difficulties, but there is also contained a certain mystery, a certain mystery that if the Holy Spirit does not reveal, then we are just going to read it as a simple event that had occurred in the life of David. Something happened. He had some kind of distress, and from there he came out. But we know he had a lot of this going on. But how good how good for us that this truth was unsealed for us this mighty word in the revelation of the holy spirit therefore i would like to thank god for that atmosphere that atmosphere of of distress that we are found in where his eternal mercy acts not everyone is found in this distress not everyone even have not everyone has this right this is an honor to be found in this distress many think i don't want to be found on it but it's a privilege it's a privilege to be a found in this distress where david was founded and where many are found in many prophets many many godly men and women David says, I called on the Lord in distress, and the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. Practically, in these words of David, we have three questions and three answers. I took part of the sermon. It was quite large. I think there were two sermons when Pastor I talked about this, but I took a part of it because I think that I will have enough time to to share this with you. What is this distress from where we need to call out to God as David as David called out? How do we call out to God so that He hears us and answers us? And what is this broad place upon which uh, God sets us? If we think that these were some kind of difficult circumstances, then today we see that the whole world is found in these kind of difficult, uh, difficult circumstances. And we see that some call out to God, they cry out to Him, they take the words of prayer with them as if they're right, the correct words, but God does not hear them. And He doesn't just hear them, He turns away from them, He turns their ear away, He closes His eyes, and He has anger upon these people. But when in these, uh, when these circumstances, we see that there's another person that calls out, God answers him. Not just answers, but he inclines and bows down his heavens. And we hear how God answers. Sometimes circumstances could not change but remain the same. They might even be worse. The illnesses might increase destructions in our life. But a person receives full peace, full comfort in himself. He begins to look so far ahead and to see that unsearchable inheritance which God has placed for him. And he receives rest and comfort, and then he waits for when God is going to find it necessary to then fulfill it. Again, David said about a kind of a distress of a different kind of origin. I want to remind you this comforting revelation that we have talked about, and therefore the distress that David was found in and spoke of are the trials of Christ. 
Christ. So, the distress of Christ, which our soul finds itself in, this is that wilderness where we are lured to, where we are enticed by God. But for our soul to be found in this distress, we must first find the narrow gates in the face of the good wife, the church, where this truth will be revealed to us. This is a little later on in the sermon. Pastor accentuated this this thought about how God, how to be found in this distress, how to call out from this distress, how to go out in a broad place. And the most uh, focus was on where to find this place. And of course, outside of the church, outside of the body of Christ, no one can ever have placed himself in Christ and the death of Christ and uh, carry and, and carry this. If we, by way of searching, do not find these narrow gates in the face of the good wife, we will not be able to place ourselves in the death of Christ, and therefore we will not be able to call out of our distress to God so that we can be set in a broad place. Let's remember this word in Hebrew. What, uh, what distress means? It means difficulty, the racetrack, the measure of length, that is 185 meters. When pastor gives these kind of definitions, when he takes and he says them in Hebrew, or he explains them, he takes them from the common spirit of Scripture. We we take what is prepared, we look at what is prepared, now we see that perhaps this was taken from Psalms or from the Old Testament, some kind of event, some kind of revelation or the New Testament. But when we read, we see that this was talked. This was talking about distress. Under the dis- distress of the soul is viewed the taking off of the old man with his works, which holds us in its authority through our legal dependence on our nation, the house of our father, and the corrupt desires of our soul. So, this, this comes, this distress comes when in our body is a conflict. There is a war. There is this resistance between our new man and the old man. When we leave infancy, because resistance doesn't come on its own, just like that, distress does not come on the soul. But it is specifically then, when we are found in the body of Christ through instruction and faith, receive knowledge, and to us is revealed the revelation about our body that it is necessary for us to save our soul and to lead it out of distress into the broad place. And for this, we first must lose it in the death of the Lord Jesus so that we can gain it again in a new quality in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is how Apostle Paul's distress began, Romans chapter 7, verses 22 through 24. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this body of death? This is that distress where many saints are found in, like Apostle Paul, like David, like Jonah, 
like the prophet Isaiah, like many godly men and women. It is in the moments of our distress when we dwell in the trials of Christ in Christ Jesus, we will be able to call out to our God and to proclaim the faith of our heart in order to be set in a broad place. Uh, we a little further on we will remember that this is that difficult moment in which a person realizes and recognizes and will want to be rid from this hell in himself from reigning sin because the old man is is hell in the body we know that the old man is tied to hell he is tied to the underworld therefore the old man is in the body Therefore, pastor says that the old man is hell itself in the body. We don't want to have the old man in us, even if we have received this kind of knowledge, this ability, this authority in the Holy Spirit to bind our old man in our body. But even if he is bound, we want to be rid of him. We want to get rid of him. I will read one passage that Brother Arkady had passed along to us. And I want to say that Many times I had read specifically this 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 page or this part and I had specifically placed focus on it. This was on Friday, usually during after Friday, during night prayer, we take the words of prayer, we take the notes, that revelation that we have heard, that revelation that was given to us, we take it and we place it in our vessel, we begin to pray with this prayer. And this, I remember, I had stopped on this particular uh, paragraph, and I very slowly read, and I received some kind of mixed feelings after, upon reading it and rereading it. And these feelings of like joy and astonishment, triumph, and at the same time, some kind of fear. And this was already in the past. Today, I uh, see this very clearly. This was in the past, but today I see this so clearly. But this revelation was uh, new to me before. I will read this. It's a very, uh, every word is important. And when pastor passes along a revelation, he speaks uh, very specifically. That's why we must attentively look at what was spoken. Because before this, he had already explained, and before that, he explained, and here he specifically places a focus. The decaying body of a person redeemed by God in the dimension of time is, is, the, is the jail cell in which is contained the fallen cherubim in the face of our old man until the judgment of the great and awful day. I had never heard this kind of revelation anywhere else from anyone else. Never had I heard this before. You can say to me, well, you don't listen to anyone and you've never heard anyone. This is not true. There was a time, I think all of us, due to our carnal nature, our infancy, we were swayed by many different kinds of sermons. We read a lot. We had a large library, a full, a full, a full wall of books. I had read all of them. And I will tell you, it came in one year, went out the other. 
books I don't remember very well. I don't know why, but they were these kind of books. I don't want to, um, there were books that I valued, but also there were books that were not, not valuable. Today, I truly do not listen to anyone, nor do I watch anyone else. And we have been freed from that library, from those books, because today there are thousands of sermons that we hear deep, strong, meaningful, that carry such a, a reigning, reigning news. They reveal to us such revelations. And aside from these uh, revelations that we have, these sermons, we have full teaching of books that we are found in, full teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. It is contained in the teaching which we must continually dwell in. That's why I truly have not heard, and I think you also have not heard this about this revelation. Yes, we knew. Yes, we have an old man, a new man. He lives somewhere. We don't want to admit it, um, that he was there. He is present somewhere. But no one wanted to um, acknowledge this. Many people had resisted this. Even while being here, I had heard many res resisting it. But also those who listened to our sermons, they... Uh, moaned and groaned and said, you have some kind of animal in you, you've bound him up, what are you even talking about? And they didn't agree with this. I will again read it. The decaying body of a man who is redeemed by God in the dimension of time is the jail cell in which is contained the fallen cherubim in the face of the old man until the day of the great and awesome judgment. When the judgment of the great and awful day of the fallen cherubim in the face of the old man will come, he was found in our body in the chains of darkness with a noise will be will be cast out from the body of the person redeemed by God into hell. The old man will be cast out. If you paid attention, Pastor highlights that this will not be in all bodies, but only in the body of those that are redeemed. When we talk about a redeemed person, we are talking about how this person has accepted the promise, not just for his spirit, but for his soul and for his body. So, the perfection of redemption. This is not that perfection when we talk about pastor not long ago at a funeral he had talked about this uh, this idea that it's written many saints had died in the faith not having received what had been promised. Why didn't they not receive what was promised? Because their time had not yet come to receive this promise and they had died in faith not having received what was promised so that cannot reach perfection without us, right? Yes. Why? Because this is talking about that perfection of redemption, the perfection of our spirit, soul, and body, and not that perfection where it says, and therefore be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is talking about the perfection of redemption. That's why here specifically, this promise relates to these people who have accepted this redemption, that have been able to receive this. That's why this is a privilege, as I have said, that this is a distress which we, uh, which only these saints are found in, the chosen, the selected, who were redeemed by the death of the Lord Jesus from their nation, their house of their father, and from all of their corrupt, deadly lusts, lusts of their soul. 
The judgment of the great day in the body of the person redeemed by God is a time in which God will bring us into the wilderness and will speak to our heart and will give to us from there our vineyards and the valley of Achor at the door of hope, which is going to be our guarantee that we will be raptured in meeting with the Lord in the air. However, as Pastor says, babes in Christ and carnal people who have missed the time to leave infancy because there is a time for leaving infancy there's a time to die and there's a time to be born there's a time to die meaning when a person must leave infancy and exit out of this but he doesn't want to therefore those people who have missed this time to leave infancy not only do not acknowledge and do not uh, do not feel the dwelling of their soul in hell but they also reject this because in the state of their carnal nature, the old man who lives in their body with great zeal helps them and pushes them to a service or ministry that God has not called them to. So their decaying body is not, their decaying body is, they are not in agreement for their decaying body to become this jail self of the old man. They have not bound him. On the contrary, he is free in them. And because he is free in them, that means that he's reigning in them. And they do that which he wants. That's why when I had understood this, this had helped me get rid of those who do not know about this revelation or who know it but they don't want to cooperate with it or don't want to understand it, then in their bodies reigns sin. Reigning sin is one of the names of the old man, the fallen cherubim. This is what Apostle Paul writes. Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. So, behind this program of sin stands stands a person of the fallen cherubim and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as an instruments of righteousness to God for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but under grace we have received comfort from the Holy Spirit in that day uh, when we, through the preached Word of God, hear about this, that we are going to be delivered from this help because we have understood this revelation, we have accepted it. And we have begun to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and with the truth of the cross of Christ. And you remember when God, along with Jacob began to fight against the powers of darkness, they, um, both God and Jacob, Jacob and God had fought together. They had fought against the old man. And it is written that Jacob had overcome. Just like we today, along with Christ and with Christ, will overcome this. And we know that it is necessary to bind the old man in ourselves, to take him off the throne, to create a prison and to throw him in there, in our body, to hold him in this prison until that time when we, in cooperation with the Almighty God, will destroy the power of death in our bodies and will erect the power of life. All of this we can do. And Apostle Paul says, I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. 
strength. This has helped me greatly. The power of death is that which the which the old man relies on. The weapon of the old man is the law of sin and death. So the law of God that discovers sin and gives power to sin, just as it is written. The power of sin is the law. It is impossible to be rid from the law of sin and death that dwells in our body and makes us captives of the law of the law of sin if we do not dwell in the trials of Christ in Christ Jesus. Specifically in that distress which in fact opens the door to the tree of life or opens the door so that we can be set on this broad place. Apostle Paul understood quite well that in his body the old man was the programmable device of a evil origin, but in his spirit, living in his body, there was a completely different kind of fate that was from God. In order to be set on this broad place, it was necessary for him to call out to God for help in order to destroy the law of sin and death which was found in his members. To call out to God for help was the next very important action. So, for him to hear our cry so that God could remember us because if we do not call out to God, He will not remember us. And you know, when a person calls out to God or when he prays, God always looks at what kind of words he says. Are these words familiar to God? Because when a person speaks words that are found in his heart, then these words have already been in the heart of God. And somehow these words ended up in the heart of a person. And this was a long path for this to happen. Let's take a look in Hebrew what this word to call out what it means. These are very, this is a very interesting verb to call out to call, call upon, scream, yell, proclaim, to read aloud, to call, to name, to give a name, preach, proclaim, confess. This is a very multifaceted meaning. This is what we must continually do so that our body can be clothed in the pearl of incorruption and be rid of the old man. This is what Jesus had done. All that we have read about, all of this Jesus had done. When he was found, um, when he was in hell for our sins, God had heard him because he had represented the word the word that was in the heart of God and he be stood up or he began to call this word out this is what Jonah had done in the whale's belly he was an image of Christ That's, this is what Noah had done in the ark that's why if he would have been left in the ark he would have not called out to God for help he would have perished there this was done by David when he received a revelation about his soul all of his psalms talk about this this the prophet Isaiah had done not long ago we had heard when he had received revelation about himself and he came to uh, horror this is when we do today you know, Pastor reminds us continually that in uh, in our distress upon taking off the old man, we could call out to the Most High as to our God and proclaim the faith of God that dwells in our heart, who God is for us in Christ Jesus. 
what He has done for us in Christ Jesus and who we are for God in Christ Jesus and what we must do for Him in Christ Jesus. These are the, um, the main truths that are important for us in our prayer. When we sing, when we proclaim, when we pray, when we speak, we must see this. Only then, when we will take off the old man, when we take off this old way of life, of the old man with his works, when we take it off, when we die to it, when we refuse it, this is that distress from which we can call out to God so that God can lead us out upon this broad place. Knowledge of his portion will help us exit out of the distress. And he set me in a broad place when I had called out to him in distress. This broad place, this is the next revelation that was also unsealed. I specifically am talking about uh, where David said this place of scripture because uh, so that it could resonate in us deeper, the understanding that it is necessary for us, important for us to be found in this distress, so that from this distress, when we take off the old man, the knowledge of calling out to God, so that God can set us out on a broad place. Under the phrase, broad place means that place that is the eternal dwelling of God upon which God dwells and upon which God finds rest. And this place is the dead and risen body of Jesus Christ, placed by God as the head of his chosen remnant. You see, David knew about this promise. This was the only place where the Heavenly Father is comforted. The dead and resurrected body of Christ, that broad place is that promise that is revealed to us at the door of our hope. If we are not found and do not dwell in death of Christ, if we are not uh, placed with Him in those trials, if we are not placed with Him in the hell of the death of Christ where we will take off the old man, we will not be able to rise with Him. We won't be able to be set on this broad place to this promise. To, it's important to place ourselves in Christ. Last Sunday, Pastor said, how do we verify that Christ in us, when we, with the law, die to the law, just Apostle Paul said, with the law, I die to the law, and now it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So when we die to our nation, our household, and all of our corrupt desires of our soul, it's very important to place ourselves in Christ, that Christ can be in us and we in Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verses 20 through 24. I won't read all of it. I will read. I will hear. I will show. And now you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, you are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a mister, 
I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the fleshings of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. So God has reconciled us and his body has set us out on a broad place and he has found comfort there and we along with him. He has given us this great and precious promise of the adoption of our body where Christ will reign in our body through the death and resurrection and that this body is going to become the refuge of God. And for this, we must hear this in Revelation, not just to hear it, we must understand it. We must place it in the vessel of our heart. We must seal it so that he who reads can easily read and can fulfill this in us to apply all energy and strength in order to be set out on this broad place. As David had said, I have called out in this broad place. I have called out of my distress and we're set in this broad place. This is that thought, that idea that pastor said that no one can we cannot be set on the broad place without God Luke chapter 13 verse 23 then one said to him Lord are there few who are saved and he said to them strive to enter the narrow gate for many I say to you will seek to enter and will not be able In another place, Jesus had said, Many are called, but few are chosen, very few. And we know that only the chosen will be able to find it. Only the chosen will be able to be bound to it because the chosen saints, they know how to cooperate their faith with the faith of God. The word to... Strive to enter... And to be bound to, specifically the word to be bound to, pastor had defined in Hebrew certain actions having taken them from the spirit of scripture, how to be bound. And the first definition is to apply strength, to apply strength, energy. I think you remember that during our home isolation, we, according to the revelation of the Holy Spirit, Pastor had um, specifically said what kind of sermons we needed to listen to again. And he said that the first thing that he said, we must be warriors of prayer. This is a very important quality. And we see that to be bound is diligence. One of the 12 qualities of a warrior of prayer, a very strong quality because diligence gives us the right to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus had said, the law and the prophets are before John, but at this time the kingdom of God is preached. And those all enter with strength, and those who uh, who apply strength to use their strength, diligence, therefore to be bound. This talks about us needing to demonstrate this diligence. We had listened. I think once again. I think this is all very fresh to you because diligence, if you remember, is the ability to withhold the attacks of devil, demons, the world that are going to try to get in the way of us fulfilling the will of God so that we do not fulfill it. They are going to try to uh, to lead us away. And on the other hand, we need to illuminate 
чтобы вытеснить их из пространства. И это может только прилежность, прилежность в молитве. И вы знаете, что the desire of a person to know the will of God, to know His truth. But without without this, we cannot commit diligence. Diligence is an, act, is an action. When we apply our emotion, our, our, our will, our mind, to take, to take hold of this, this truth. That's why it's very important to be bound and to enter by the narrow gate, to strive to enter through the narrow gate by binding ourselves. Therefore, Christ said, many will search to enter but will not be able to. This is a high dedication of a person. Furthermore, to show in our faith, to show in our faith the works of God. We affirm this. Fourteen months was enough to once again and again to listen and to reaffirm what the virtue of God is, the the selective love of God. We had heard about this, and we know that the virtue of God comes from the atmosphere of God Himself, from the atmosphere of the pure heart that is cleansed of dead works, that is able to distinguish good from evil. We had went over this, we had affirmed this, we remember this, and we have this. To distinguish the voice of the Holy Spirit from the voice of, of a stranger, to be led by the Holy Spirit, to be dependent on the Holy Spirit, and we understand that this can only be done by that person uh, for whom the Holy Spirit has become the Lord and ruler of his life. And we know upon which circumstances the Lord enters as Lord and ruler in the heart of a person. Furthermore, to fight with reigning sin in our body, to battle, here this is where we must bind, to take him off the throne and to to abolish him, to place him into, into the prison in order to give up all the members of our body into weapons of righteousness or not sin, to withstand in prayer battle against the attacks of evil as Jesus had done, as John had done, and to accept the help of the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to bind to. And it's interesting, Pastor said, many want to accept this help of the Holy Spirit. They desire to accept it, but they don't know how. They don't know how help comes. They oftentimes are lost. Sometimes help is given to them. They are told, do this from the R comes revelation and said, according to the revelation, do this and this. But a person has not understood that this was help. The Holy Spirit is helping him and is saying, do this, do. And he begins to resist. This means to accept the help of the Holy Spirit can be done by those saints who are not uh, infants, who are not carnal, and this is a high calling. This is a high dedication, and we know that the higher the dedication of a person, the higher will be his calling in Christ Jesus. Pastor Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider myself having retreated, but I forget what is behind, and I strive forward to the upward call in Christ Jesus. Upward calling in Christ Jesus. This upward calling, we know, is to be a servant, a servant of God, a servant of His great and high word. And when a person becomes a servant of the word, then, of course, he has this calling. 
and we pay a price for our election where we die to all of to our whole life. Furthermore, it's written, strive to enter through the narrow gates. Enter through the narrow gates in the original in Hebrew means through or with the help of narrow gates, which means the church and the teaching because entering into the narrow gates is knowledge, is knowing the truth, knowing the truth of the reigning teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh through a movement or penetration. It's very interesting. This in written Proverbs uh, about the, the spider that spins its web and it finds himself in the king's palaces. This talks about when we begin to proclaim the faith of God that dwells in our pure heart that is cleansed from dead works. And I really liked when Pastor had showed the difference because very many people, they proclaim, very many people say, uh, but he said, uh, there are different kinds of spiders. There are spiders that place their uh, webs in the king's palaces, and there are those who place them for some reason in some kind of uh, uh, underground, scary underground places, and their proclamations will bring them there into this hell, into this underworld. Because that which a person proclaims, what he says, this is very important, where he takes his proclamations from. The meaning of the phrase where, uh, where each person, person knows his place in the body of Christ, where we do not think of ourselves more than we ought to think. Through the separation of our soul and spirit or through that word that is the sword that... Uh, that judges the intentions and the minds. It's written that there is nothing that is hidden from Him. We, uh, for everything, He will give account. Another meaning is through through striving with the Holy Spirit. So this is when we dwell in continual prayer with the Holy Spirit in this consistency. And I missed one. Um, by mutual love to one another. Right now, for some reason, we're talking about this a lot, about brotherly love. And I truly see how we have transformed in a good in a good sense. Our relationships have become better with saints and through, by being in the patience of Christ, this is one of the meanings throw or show in your faith virtue in your in virtue, show knowledge and knowledge. Um, self-control, patience, brotherly love, love, godliness. Christ says, those saints will come from the four four directions of the light. They're, they're going to have these four teachings, this order. And this is a big images where we see the four armies, the four rivers, the four the four creatures. The kingdom of heaven is given to us in the quality of a deposit. And a deposit is a condition. One of the conditions is to be tied to to uh, to enter through these narrow gates and to apply our strength and energy to enter these narrow gates. That's why it's very important. David says, I, for my distress, have called out. He knew he was found in, in order. And he knew when we are found in this distress, the Holy Spirit 
leads us into this broad place to this promise. Only there he will open this high, high calling and this promise. If we have used all of our energy and if we had entered into the narrow gates and uh, the usher in the face of the Holy Spirit and the quality of the Lord and ruler of our life has opened the door of our heart for the reign of the resurrection of Christ in our body, then this means that he has led us out and set us on the broad place. Meaning, he has led us out into this promise to the reign of the resurrection of Christ in the body. David also says in his other Psalms, affirming many times this same thought, I will read some of them. I have taken them. My pastor said, all Psalms talk about this, and in all Psalms he had hidden this thought. And even from the very beginning of Genesis until the very end was contained this promise, this promise that we hear today. Psalms chapter 4, verse 2, You have relieved me in my distress. Psalms chapter 18, verse 7, Then the earth shook and trembled, the foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken, because he was angry. And I called out to the Lord, and he heard me. You see, God hears only his word. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Psalms chapter 17 or 18 verse 19 and this is another interesting and deep prayer of um, King Jehoshaphat when he had turned his face to God in order to search for him and you remember he had established a fast of all of Judea and he had prayed to God that if if disaster comes upon us sword, judgment, pestilence or famine we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and Jehoshaphat know that it is from there where he can call out to God and we will cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 verse 9 Jehoshaphat is an image of our mind who had submitted to the new man in the face of prophets through whom he had received answers God had led him out Psalms 142, verse 11. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. This we are currently studying on Fridays, this, this psalm, and we pray with these words, these words of prayer continually. For, this, for us, this has become a great, um, a great reward. We have been set out on this broad place. You know, my mind sometimes... As soon as I begin to think, I am so focused how wonderful that I can hear this. As I have heard many times, I did not understand it fully, but begin to hear and understand. I don't just listen. I, I begin to see things different in my spirit and see things differently. And this brings me so much joy that God has given us this promise, this promise of victory over reigning sin in our body. This is great joy that He has delivered our bodies from uh, the slavery of sin. He has delivered us from fear. He has delivered us from afflictions, from death, from decay, from the from hell and the underworld. And we are ready to look and see this glory in us when we begin to see the invisible in Christ Jesus. Because the old man, he thought that this body was going to be his house. 
He had contended for this house, that this would become his inheritance, but God did not give him our house, our body. Even more so, in our body was this victory of Christ. And we have received a revelation through through instruction and faith about how to bind the old man in our body. And we have placed him into in this prison because he is a prisoner. And a prisoner cannot be uh, cannot be free. He must be in a prison. He is found in this prison cell, and this prison cell is our body, members of our body, when, which we have given over to, as weapons of righteousness. And we do not do that which we had previously done. We do not speak, we do not look as we had done before, we do not act as we have done before. His eternal uh, place of dwelling will be the lake of fire. It is specifically in the bodies of saints that are the house of the Almighty, the cherubim who had the dignity in the face of reigning sin in our body. He has a dream in his heart to be like the Most High. Although he does not understand that it is specifically in the decaying body of a person redeemed by God, the Most High is keeping him in darkness until the judgment of the great and awful day. Very quickly, I have uh, tied together two, and today I listened to it with satisfaction. I think you also can listen to it. Jude chapter 1, verse 6, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Thus, in this manner, the body of a person redeemed by God, in which the fallen cherubim in the face of reigning sin in our body, intended to be like the Most High, it turned out for him to be the eternal chains of darkness in which God is keeping him until the judgment of the great and awful day. In this very moment, he is found under the watchman until the judgment, just like prisoners uh, prisoners each have a guard. We, we produce this prison cell in us by way of our proclamation. Very important. Through the cross, through the death of the cross of Christ in which we uh, do not give our corrupt desires opportunity to express themselves when we do not allow anger, envy, resentment, all kinds of greed, we do not allow it to uh, to be expressed whenever we do this we tie we tie the old man and even when we fall but if we are able to get up to repent then again this is like victory god views this as a victory because we begin to call out to god for help and we begin to proclaim who god is for us in christ jesus what he has done for us in christ jesus who we are for him in christ jesus what we must do in christ jesus so we can inherit along with him those promises this is what abraham had continually done god had shown him um, Abraham had continually looked at the stars that showed him the path to the promises of God. He didn't just look at them, but he looked at them and he proclaimed and confessed. He had believed he was faithful. He was faithful to God, and God had revealed this to him as righteousness. He looked at the sand that was by the four seas, and he began to proclaim Abraham was in, in, in order. He had these four teachings that which we are talking about today, which Jesus had preached about. 
and Jesus had taken everything from the Old Testament and today we submit to this word and we have it in ourselves we have it in our heart I want to also make a remark that Brother Akadi reminds us about very often that without the power of the Holy Spirit we can't do anything on our own none of us is able to overcome or to bind the old man in ourselves or to overcome our old man I will read first first um, Kings or Samuel chapter 17 this is what David said to Goliath I'm going to conclude the word at this you come so this is David saying to the Philistine you come to me with a sword with a spear and with a javelin but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you and this day I will give you the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel then all this is how David had bound in himself the old man then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands therefore I also thank God that this is the war of the Lord this is the war of the Almighty over our body I am grateful to God that this truth was revealed to us that we have accepted it that we had not rejected it that we became captives of this truth and out of my distress I called out to God and he heard me and set me on a broad place I want to again say that uh, the similar words Christ had said in the beginning of our teaching in our book, when we read, uh, strive to enter through the narrow gates, and Jesus Christ said there that, in that passage, he who enters, he will find a pasture. And when we look, out of distress, the Lord has called me, and he has heard me and set me on a broad place. And Jesus said, "He who enters into this, uh, into these through these narrow gates, he will find this church that represents the virtuous wife, where this truth will be revealed. This distress, how to take off the old man, and he will exit." onto this pasture he will find this pasture find this greenness find this broad place all of this is through the proclamation of the faith of our heart he has also said these words son of man when he comes will he find faith on the earth of course he will find it many will grow tired and weary but we will not grow weary to proclaim, to preach, to call, to speak, to ask God. We will do this continually. All of these revelations that we have heard today, we accept them, of course, with great joy. We rejoice as, as though we have found the greatest treasure, just as David says, rejoice this is Psalm, uh, Psalms 119. Rejoice as if you have found the most precious treasure. How can you not rejoice in this? That which we have heard today. We know that this is a great labor to pass along the thoughts of God that are found in the depths of God's heart. And no one has the right to look into God's heart, into his heart, to take these thoughts and to pass them along. God does not give just anyone this right except for certain people 
who on this earth, there is very few of them. I don't know if on one hand, on two hands maybe, can you count these people? Maybe seven? They, God does have these people. These are prophets. Prophet has the right to look into God's heart. A prophet sees what is found in God's heart. And he passes along these, these thoughts, these ways, these revelations. He has a strategy. And he does not reveal to anyone else. When he reveals, and when the prophet passes along, and this is rare, that's why we are very, very blessed. I also unite with myself uh, with those that come here, and Dima and Daniel and Irina. When they came out, they had testified that they consider themselves blissful. And I know that you also consider yourselves blessed and blissful because we hear. We hear these revelations that come. They come from the Ark. This is the Ark of the Covenant. And from there, God reveals. But before He reveals, the prophet had to, God had to have allowed the prophet to open his heart and he passes along. And when we come here and we prepare our heart and now our heart is cleansed, is prepared to hearing the word of God, we receive this word. And even if the word is unknown to us, we we don't understand it. We accept it and a time comes and this prophet, he in the image and status of, uh, he speaks into our heart and he unseals what is in our heart and we begin to understand what was spoken that's why the prophet sees that which is in God's heart he who can see the vision uh, sees what's in the heart of the person and he reveals this this is one and the same person to whom God entrusts this right that's why we need a prophet and we need a seer uh, because for this we and for this we need to prepare our hearts and I want to say that before we receive uh, this achievement on reward uh, before we receive these sermon notes I didn't apply a lot of energy to create this because we have just just have the blessing to take that labor to take those notes and to pass it along yes we have heard it a lot we have accepted it, we live by it, and this brings joy. But these were any notes, any sermon, any thought, any revelation is the result of long nights, days, energy, time, uh, the use of all energy of the prophet, the man of God, a refusal, uh, perhaps giving up food or giving up giving up sleep, many interests of the soul. This is strong 
a strong labor, and this is a great responsibility. When perhaps continually there is this responsibility is weighing down to pass along the revelations of God. That's why, why not rejoice in these riches? That's why I won't say that just my new man is rejoicing, but my flesh comes to astonishment, as David had said. Even my flesh is comforted in the trust of the Lord. And trust we can have only in the state of spirituality. A person who says, I trust in God, and does not have the person whom he submits to in that order, he is disobedient. And he does not have this because when we take hold of the control of our soul, our tongue, and we begin to proclaim not what we feel, but what we know, that information that we have received, this is that very trust. It's very important, this important thought where pastor says that trust um, and reliance on that word about the word about the kingdom of heaven. And this is trust. Trust of the human heart and God and his word, which leads us to the salvation of our soul out of, uh, out of death. So we do not look at our emotions, our feelings, not what we feel, but that which we know, that which we have received. I think that the time has come to our prayer. I will conclude. I just want to say, let the Holy Spirit bring us or bring into fulfillment the thoughts of the Father and the word, uh, words of Jesus Christ because only He has this the Spirit, this great Spirit and strength to fulfill all of this. Therefore, let us bow our heads and pray and thank God for the privilege to be found here and to hear the Word. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we again and again bow down our heads upon this holy place, on this place in which your glory dwells, on this place in which we hear the revelations from your ark. On the place in which you revealed to us today the sign of times, we thank you that we are able to come to you as to our Father through the blood of the redemptive Lamb and the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the author and the finish of our faith the captain of our salvation, the intercession of the New Testament. Thank you for the Redeemer of our body, for the Deliverer, 
from hell and death. We thank you that we today are able to, in our distress, to call out to you, and you hear our voice, our cry, and you lead us out into the broad place because we are found in the church, the church that is the virtuous wife. We thank you that the church that has become our mother, where we receive food, where we where we eat and where we grow. We thank you for that righteousness, that truth, the truth of God in the face of the Son of Man that has challenged the ministry of condemnation, the heart of a person, and has uh, fortified the ministry of, ju of justification. We thank you for this great action and this great word, for your work of redemption in which no nothing, nothing was ours but only your work of revelry of a redemption that you have done for us and gave us the opportunity to come to you as to our father and to call you our god and our father and we thank you for this right we thank you that your righteousness in the face of the son of man it is like a great path in our hearts. It dwells there. It reigns there in life, in your life, in the life of resurrection. And there are no shadows of death there. There is no... Blessed is the Lord, our Father, who has come to us and has called out the Son of Man. He has called him from death so that he can be our personal fulfiller of the definitions of God so that he can save his Zion, our body, and bring peace to Israel. We thank you that we today with the reigning word through these Tarshish ships are able to bring from afar the merchant ships through our mind, the bread of life, so that we can go from the ministry of condemnation to the ministry of justification. How great is this that we are found here because you have justified us, you have redeemed us, you have delivered us. You have given and having been justified you have made us pure and unblemished. You made us your belonging and we today, being righteous, we demonstrate your righteousness in being holy, born from the Holy God. We demonstrate this holiness. We thank you, Lord our God, that today we are able to demonstrate this righteousness and show this, show this righteousness so that your reigning grace can come upon us. Each time we trust in our hope and those promises that you have placed on our accounts in Christ Jesus, we demonstrate righteousness. And this brings you joy and this brings you comfort. 
When we show unblemished joy in us, we demonstrate righteousness. When we do not leave our assembly and when we remain faithful to our calling, we demonstrate righteousness. When we continue to call the inexistent as existent among the great um, great afflictions that come upon our way and we look upon that invisible when we look far when we are found on that rock on that rock and when we look on that invisible that you have shown us who you are for us because you are our portion and we are found in your portion you have shared with us your inheritance we demonstrate righteousness. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for all of those things that we have today. According to your covenant, you have made your eternal and everlasting firm covenant with us. And you have given us the kingdom. You have given the kingdom to those who have gained fullness and poverty of the Spirit that have broken their spirit and out of their brokenness they do not trust in anything else and they rely not on anything else but God and His great and mighty word. And they cooperate with the Holy Spirit as with their Master. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you today comfort us upon our tears and our distress when we take off the old man and when the flesh threatens us with its resentments, with its anger, its illnesses, with death, we do not pay attention to this. We know that the time will come and you will deliver us, but right now you are comforting us. You have said, joy there is difficulties in the night but joy comes in the morning we thank you that you will allow us to look upon your glory and to see your glory you have said that only those who have placed Christ in their hearts can see him those who are pure in heart those who have a wise heart that is cleansed from dead works, those who have cleansed their hearts from death, from fanaticism, from fear before people, from walking before people, and who have placed the truth in there, the truth of the reigning teaching, the teaching about your kingdom, this reigning teaching, your great life, they have placed it in their heart and we today have this and you have given us the ability and you have said that we will see your glory, we will see your face. We thank you that today you lead us into the land. You have said the meek will inherit the earth and they will the meek are those who today are able to bridle their lips. You have taught us this bridleness and this meekness through that which you feed us today. You feed us from milk and honey. You feed us with this sacred manna, with these 
uh, revelations that give us the right and the ability to bridle our lips so that we can give birth to humility and to the humble you give grace because behind humility stands riches and eternal life you today teach us so many you teach us how to act toward the vessels of mercy and how to correctly act towards the vessels of anger according to your great mercy you have made us vessels of honor and we are grateful to you and we bless your holy name we thank you that you have called us your children, your sons, because we today are led by the Spirit of God. We today demonstrate peace, show peace to your heart, because we are peacemakers. We will no longer pass along rumors, gossip, slander, all kinds of lies, perhaps even the truth, but this is not our right. We remain faithful, faithful to your word and your calling. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have fed us today with your word. You fill us every time that we come, and however much we must, we may listen to this word, and however much we might dig in it, you reveal so many revelations, and we are grateful to you for this great honor and privilege that you have hidden, hidden us before in hell with Christ and that's why you remembered us because we were found in the death of Christ and we will resurrect along with him we thank you that today we have this right and privilege to prepare ourselves to meet with you and you are preparing us and each time we come to this place you have highlighted this place with your hand for the worship of your holy name, you protect it, and around it stands the army of your angels that worship when we worship, that listen to the word just like we listen to the word. We thank you, Father, that we, having been found in this place, that we can create an altar out of the twelve stones, just like as you had said according to your word, so that we can bring and a sacrifice to you. We thank you that we are able to prepare our hearts to hearing, and we do prepare because you give us certain revelations, and we wait for these revelations, these good news from heaven, from the Heavenly Father. What is in your heart so that you can pass, along, pass this along to your prophet? We ask you to continue to open this, and we will await with trembling. We will prepare our heart. We will cleanse our heart to protect it from all kinds of 
rebelling thoughts, and we are ready to unswervingly fulfill all of that which you will say. We thank you, and we bow down before you, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We will conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.